he is. No, no, I'm not here. I'm actually, okay. I'm not anywhere. Uh, all right. Well, uh, awkward. You want to explain that? Well, um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm actually down and out in Beverly Hills. So this is a, the, the film that we chose tonight is is kind of apropos of uh, of your situation right now. It's a biopic. This okay. Right now. Yeah. Well, you're not. I mean, you're not. You're between. You're between homes. You're not homeless. You're between homes. Well, I don't have a home right now. Okay. Places I'm staying, but I don't actually have a place I can call my home. So that's kind of the definite. Well, you know, I I should. I should count my blessings. I am. I have oh. lots of places to stay. And, uh, right. And I, you have you have digs lined up. It's just I, not your apartment's not ready yet, and so that's a different problem. But yeah. still, you know, it can be uncomfortable. Well, St and also, you know, I can't find. I, I've been going from place to place because we were ready for our place, and then our place fell through, and. I have to stay here for a little while and sh had shipped my stuff from New York. And there's, I like, I can't find my uh, webcam. Clearly, you, I, clearly you can't find your webcam. For yeah. those listening at home, uh, Matthew did not find his webcam. <laughs> I did not find my webcam. And I don't have my, my good mic set up. So that is, cool. yes. For those listening at home, <laughs> uh, Matthew doesn't have a decent microphone. If you can't tell, listen <laughs> to me. If you can't tell, I don't sound good right now. Um, not not the normal studio setup, not the normal mic, not the normal thing. But look, we're doing a we're doing a we're talking, we're doing a show, we're having. A, we're, uh, we, we are doing our fiftieth show. And you got to do the show, whatever. If it's your fiftieth show, you got to do it, even yeah. if you don't have a microphone. And even if it's not incredible. Hey, we right. have a comment. We have a comment from, it's got to be from, oh, hey. It's I don't, from my fellow, my friend, welcome to the world. Okay. I'm not seeing any comments on my screen yet. Oh, for I, some... I will share with you. There we go. Oh. There we go. Welcome to the world. Hey, guys. Hey, Matthew. Says hey, my there. What's going on? Thanks for the shout out. Who's watching? Um, that's very nice. Uh, we hope uh, we hope to entertain you tonight. We hope so, or or at least entertain ourselves. Uh, I'm I'm already having a good time. It's good to see you. This it's really I miss doing the show. I miss talking with you every week. This hiatus was very depressing. It was um, very depressing. I mean, you you didn't have a very depressing hiatus. You were very busy and active and doing lots of exciting things. I, I was stuck here in uh, this in the in Brooklyn. I was doing exciting things. I was in Chicago, uh, whining and dining other people and being wined and dined at the same time, working on our, our booze business, which, right. is, which is moving along. Uh, Great to I, hear. I came back here and I had a week with my, a week and a half with my daughter, which is always great. Um, can't beat that, a visit with my daughter. And because I'm homeless and I didn't want her to be homeless in little, you know, these little friends places that I'm staying in, mm -hmm. I rented us an Airbnb in, in, uh, Los Angeles up near Beachwood Canyon. That was really, really nice. Um, 
uh, but it was the size of a postage stamp. Okay. Um, but it is a place that I would recommend. Like if you ever need to come into town and you can't come down to Irvine and stay with me, you need to be in Hollywood. This place was inexpensive because it's so small. And if you just need a place to be sleeping at night and shower, it was lovely. Is there, is there a fire pit? There isn't a fire pit. I can't do it. Okay, sorry. No, it sounds great. I, it sounds like a good deal. And I often have to be in Hollywood and nothing else will suffice. So that's great to know. We did have, uh, there is a, a tragedy we need to discuss. Very sad news. I don't know if you've heard. I don't, uh, n- no. We lost Greenblatt's. What? Yeah. Greenblatt's closed its doors. Oh, come on. Which, uh, for those of you who don't know, Greenblatt's is a deli that was open till maybe 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, yeah, for yeah. sure. But not just a deli. It was a combination gourmet food store, wine shop, liquor store, and amazing New York-style deli sandwiches. An amazing place. And one of the only kind of like easy late night hangouts that wasn't pressured or Hollywood, you know, or yeah. And, and all kinds of amazing people you'd see there. I mean, every time I went, um, they're, you know, really interesting, notable celebrities would be there just hanging out and eating and stuff, but it was a very chill vibe. Oh man, that's so depressing. God damn it. Tragic. Um, and what happened? Memories, like you know, how many nights did you go there with Adam and Bruno late at night to have? Count. I mean, countless. I mean, so many memories of that there, and yeah. post shows that I, you know, when when I was living in LA, I did a little bit of theater and I directed some theater, and that was like the, always a place to go after, you know, if if we weren't drinking, because there were some late night drinking spots that you'd find in LA. Because do, do LA bars still close? earlier than new york bars is it still so. yeah. yeah oh well, and also i hear that the pikey is gone no really i'll have to confirm that but i think uh here let's double check uh did the pikey oh greenblatt say it ain't so that's too bad um any news on why just uh what how the could pikey- no, I'm Greenblatt's. Uh, any news on why uh, Greenblatt's? Uh, I don't know. I just heard it from from Adam the other night. Uh, really? Bet Bowles joined us and says, uh, yeah, 50 is great, and thank you for making me know. I really unseen to catch a thief. Always thought I had. I was wrong. And we have very bad news for you, Bet. We apologize. We're not doing uh, to catch a thief, we said we were going to do to catch a thief, but then with my homeless situation, we decided to do. I'll bet I I got confused. I didn't realize we had committed. See, this is terrible. I thought we uh, we've jumped all over the place, and we've we're confused people, and we've let people down now. Yeah. Oh, bet. Well, you know, we got to do uh, to catch a thief. We I realized, yeah, we dropped the ball on that. I want to see that ag- again, and and um, oh, damn it. Okay. Well, well we, will do it. we will do it. We don't have a producer, you know, and uh, we run, we just run and gun this. And sometimes stuff just falls through the cracks. Right. Yeah. 
We also have good news though, tomorrow, tomorrow is a big day, national holiday, um, tomorrow, uh, our brother's birthday. Yeah, shout out to, to the big Captain Adama. Yep, and birthday shout out. Joel Rooks tomorrow also. I didn't hear that. Joel Rooks. Oh. As well. Joel's same birthday, interesting. Yeah, interesting. Is, is jo Joel doesn't watch the show, so I don't know. Joel. Shout out. I don't know why I'm giving him a shout out. Joel, out. come on, man. Why should I even? You'd be one of the people that would know the movies we're talking about on this show. He would. He would. Um, what you watching? You watching anything? You're not working. <clears throat> no, I think I've had I've had some time to watch some stuff. Um, anything good? Let me take a look at my notes. Hmm. Hmm. Um. No. Anything no. good? Try and see. Try and see. But I have heard that uh, the White Lotus is something to behold. Um, I, I hear these kinds of things too, and at this point, I don't believe anybody. <laughs> that's that's my thing. I don't <laughs> believe a soul about anything until I see it for myself. Oh wow. Um. So White Lotus, okay. We I, I will admit to giving it a whirl. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a shot tonight, I think. I saw a little bit of it tonight. I'm that's what I'm admitting to. Oh really? I need to give it a little more time. I don't I'm not willing to comment. Okay. Um I'll check it out tonight. Um after we're done with our show. I saw some really cool stuff. Great horror movie called The Vigil. Uh highly recommend it. Um low budget indie horror i think it came out pretty recently if where not this year uh where is it available i think i saw it on hulu but the good old googles will tell you the vigil it's um it's about an orthodox jewish kid who has to sit uh that's a, a horror movie right there sit a vigil over a, a someone who's died over a dead body at an, in a creepy apartment overnight and it's it's uh, spooky as hell. Really good. Okay. And then I saw another horror movie that, um, do you know I like horror movies? Did I ever tell you that? But I want to go back to the vigil for something, you know, because for a minute, because, you know, it sounds like a, a, a horror movie about an Orthodox Jew, you know, like it seems a little anachronistic, but seriously, Chabad can it be? <laughs> um, I will show myself out. I like that you stopped me to tell that joke. Well, we had to you go had back. to like, you had to stop everything. I know you had to get out of your system. You have to, you can't stop until it's done. I know. Yeah, you can do the rest of the show yourself because I'm, I've just embarrassed myself. You did it. You did. You did the show. That's a mic. That's a mic drop. Let's face it. The Vigil, directed by Keith Thomas. It's available on Hulu, as I thought. Uh. And it's really good if you like uh, if you like uh, spooky movies. Then I also saw a movie called Possession. You ever hear of this movie? No. I was reading up on uh, uh, other like filmmakers' favorite horror movies. So like lists of you know horror movies that people like Scorsese or you know did Spielberg like. And there were some obvious ones, but there's a movie that kept coming up on a few people's lists called possession that i'd never seen or heard of 
And then as I looked up a little bit more, I found it, it was like a really famous Polish director, Polish director named uh, Zalowski, who I, I also never heard of. This kind of art or art filmmaker from Poland. And um, it stars Sam Neill, Isabella Johnny. And it, as it turns out, one of the most famous horror performances in the world is her in this movie. And it's amazing. It's really terrifying. Like really, really messed up, scary, arty, shot in Berlin. Very creepy European vibe to this movie. It's great. Okay, well, I have to get a girlfriend because I love horror movies too. But if they are not of the, of the sort of slightly cheesy ilk, right? If they're genuine, we're going to scare the crap out of your horror movies. Mm-hmm. Like um, the uh, uh, for for example, uh, the autopsy of Jane Doe. That's a scary movie. I've seen forty minutes of that movie because I was watching it alone and got to a point where I said, "Okay, this is my I'm alone. We're not going any further." Okay. And it sounds like the vigil and and uh possession sound like the same thing that i'm not whereas if i'm with somebody else like if i've got a girlfriend i can be all like oh yeah come on we're okay we're yeah i hear you i hear you the possession might might be uh the most upsetting movie i've ever seen and it's but not not in not in like uh it's not like torture porn kind of thing or 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 tremendously violent. I mean, it's violent, but it's not like that. That's not why it's hard. It's it's just, it's you know how David Lynch movies can really just mess up your head. This this yeah. movie literally has got stuff in it that David Lynch stole because he liked some. I mean, wow. This is a filmmaker that David Lynch has stolen from. Okay. It's it's terrifying. All anyway, right. yeah, I like to sit home during terrifying times and watch terrifying films i'm really ill in the head that's just wrong well i love to watch that scary stuff too but um um so there there was something else i wanted to talk about before we get to the movie Mm -hmm. Um, i'm avoiding getting to the movie um you shouldn't take that as a sign of anything i i just am okay uh uh partly because i feel like i've been so discombobulated that i didn't get to like really assemble my thoughts on this movie as much as I'd like to. I don't think Paul Mazursky did either. So you're in good company. Okay, well, the, the, there we go. Cause I, <laughs> but I think uh, it might be coming for a little bit of, um, well, shall we say. So good, you had to hear it twice. Yes, for those of you at home, that is the theme song to Mom's Corner, and uh, there's just something I uh, I need explained to me. Uh, would you just describe this if you if you would, or I'll describe what we're seeing. You better describe it to the listeners at home. What we're seeing is is my brother Anthony and our mom. Uh, in uh, some sort of uh, alien spaceship control room surrounded by aliens and seems like uh, abducted from pine bush, UFO something going on. You have uh, some creature in front of you. Anthony, you look just terrified. Um, Yeah, I'm really scared. 
and I'm really frightened. And mom is obviously a little concerned as well. She looks a little yeah. disgusted. She looks more disgusted than scared. Yes, yes. Um, there's also that face hugger from uh, from Alien on my knee. Yeah, uh, yeah. On your knee. Okay, I got. Okay, I this is that. evidence of of uh, of something that's very meaningful to me that I've been wanting to talk about on the show for a long time, and that's my belief in the in the abdu in abductions. This is proof that it happens. They target families. They target lineages of people. Um, and uh, I have. There's a lot of missing time. That's all I'm going to say. I have so much missing time in my life. Uh, what time is it? Huh. Interesting. Do you know what time? Like, for instance, I don't even know what time it is right now. Yeah, right now, so, it's 6.18 where I am. So 9.18 where you are. Exactly. Miss time phew, missing for me. So uh, this is just, uh, you know, something I've been meaning to share. Did uh, they do anything to you while you were abducted? Any? Um, uh, uh, a warm face okay. towel? Like a warm, just a, that was about it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and some uh, honey roasted peanuts. I had to go to the doctor today and it was a little bit like, like uh, some of the alien abductions that I've heard about. But, yeah. A little, uh, <laughs> yeah, a little incident at Pine yeah, Grove. Yeah, I had an incident <laughs> at Pine Grove at the doctor's office today. And I uh, lost some time. Oh dear. A little time. That's terrifying. Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, I hope this picture wasn't too triggering for you, but uh it it, it happened. Uh, this is this photograph is from a trip that my that mom and I took to the uh Pine Bush, New York, uh Paranormal and UFO Museum. And we saw an advertisement for this. And you know, on my other the other podcast that I do is paranormal themed. We talk about paranormal movies and stuff and um UFO movies and UFO movies. That sounds ridiculous. What is that? That's like a third grader said that. UFO movies. <laughs> Cinema about the paranormal. Um, and I, we felt it was important to go investigate. Uh, and so mom and I got in the car, took the hour drive across the Hudson River into uh, Pine Bush. That whole area apparently is like crazy hotbed for all kinds of weird sightings of ufos and cryptids and ghosts and all kinds of stuff which you can learn about at the museum okay well there's some things about this photograph that concern me um one is the aliens uh are actually completely naked and obviously like very obviously they're naked they're pretty cut too which i was found surprising they are ripped uh, but also, like, you and mom are vaxxed, and I know, so I'm okay with the two of you hanging out together like this, but they're unmasked. We don't know what they could have. You, you, you put yourself at risk. That's the least of our problems. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the least of our problems. Oh, all right. Um, yeah, no, they weren't masked. Um we we were you know we 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 had masks on for the tour. There's a great oh. tour through the museum and stuff, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, you, we're locked up inside. We don't have. I don't. I'm not taking airplane rides right now. So this kind of thing is very exciting. It's great because your facial expression it looks like you're going, and, <laughs> and and mom looks like she's going. Eee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, I'm. Thanks for sharing. I, I, you know, I, uh, I stand by my reports on these things. You could take this seriously. You know, I know photos can be faked, but uh, it would be so costly to fake this. If you, if you look closely, it's very hard. I mean, 
people have tried to debunk it. Well, it was pretty cool. I don't, I don't yeah. think debunk that photograph. That that's a genuine photograph. I think anyone would uh, be willing to attest to the authenticity of. Uh, I'll take a lie detector test. What's going on? If need be. All right. So, so um, yes. Should we should we talk about a movie? I, I don't know. Well, why not? We saw one. We spent the money on it. We we put our we put our you know our hard earned money down to see it. Yes, we did. And I think uh, we retain the right to discuss it. All right. So what we're discussing down and out in Beverly Hills, nineteen eighty six, directed by Paul Mazursky, written by Paul Mazursky, and what was the other gentleman's name? Oh, you want stats? Like, oh, Rene. Well, it's based on the play by Rene Fachois. Right, which was then made into a movie by Jean Renoir. Right, a very famous French film from the 30s, starring uh, Jean right. Gabin. I don't know if that's right. I don't think it is Jean Gabin. It was not Jussie Smollier. I know that. The French I, have to get, I have to get this right. Because, uh, because dad's a big Renoir fan, and you'll hear about it. Yeah, it's, yeah, but I can't. I'm, I'm not going to get it right. But he doesn't watch the show, so you won't hear about it. So you can you can make all the mistakes. You yeah, want. I don't know. I don't know who's in it. It's not. It's not. Uh, I don't know who it is. Don't it's a very famous that. French actor. I, I feel terrible. Anyway, yes, this is all based on uh, on on other material. Yes. And a homeless guy uh, in Beverly Hills, played by Nick Nolte, loses his dog, very sad, and tries to drown himself in the swimming pool of Richard Dreyfus and Bette Midler in their huge, beautiful Beverly Hills home. They have two troubled children, and uh, he tries to drown himself, and uh, Richard Dreyfus rescues him. And is, is sort of intrigued by his lifestyle, takes care of him, and uh, and then in the movie goes on to be about the effect of this homeless guy on the lives of this family that has everything in the world, all the money in the world, and they're not happy. Exactly. Which it is actually a really interesting premise. There are a lot of interesting things that could have been explored in that dynamic. And they are in the original French film. I know that. You felt that they weren't in this one? No, I think that they are, but we'll talk about it. Yeah, okay. I, I, I mean, I got the sense of some studio interference or meddling pretty strongly here. Yeah. Did you pick up on that? Yeah. Yeah. And Mazursky... I mean, he's he's you know he's trying to do something here. I feel but, like, but Mazursky is you know he's interesting, but he's um, he's kind of ultra casual about everything, you know. So you get the feeling like uh, everything's made like oh, yeah okay what are we you know? Want <laughs> to make a movie? Yeah, it worked. That's okay. You know, yeah. you don't feel like there's a strong hand at the helm. No, but you do. I did get the feeling that there is a a like a you know somebody, uh, an intelligent hand, N not a strong hand, 
maybe not a incredibly gifted hand, but a, but a, a someone with it who's read a lot, someone who's intelligent, someone who yeah. at least saw a French movie. Yeah, and smart enough, smart enough to recognize my talent and potential at an early age. We better talk about that for a second. Yeah, I worked with him for forty-seven minutes. Was he nice to you? He was love. He was actually lovely to me. Were you and nice to him? I, I think I was nice to him. And something, but you know, getting back to like the way he works, you know, you said an intelligence there and and a kindness and a, a looseness. And and for instance, you know, when I worked with him, which was on an unmarried woman playing the boyfriend of Joe Clayberg's daughter, who is I'm on screen for about sixteen seconds. Um, but it was an odd role because everybody thinks that the role was much, much bigger than it was because she's the daughter is on the phone with me a lot. Okay. You don't hear my side of the conversation. I wasn't there, but she's on the, who's she talking to? Oh, she's talking to Phil. You know, how's Phil? There's a lot of talk. Everybody knows who Phil is. That's great. Yeah, everybody knows who Phil is. He's actually on screen for about 16 seconds when Jill Clayberg comes home and finds us making out with, you know, I forget what the music was that was playing, and she freaks out and kicks me out of the house. Was this your first movie that you did as an actor? It was my first, like, I auditioned. I mean, I'd done yeah. stuff with Dad directed, but my first, I went out there and auditioned. Yeah, like your first. Got a real acting gig. It. Yeah. And um, and you're and you're and you have a makeout scene in your first acting gig. Yeah, a makeout scene in my first acting gig, and I'm I'm 16 years old when I shoot it. Well, at least yeah. it was you were an old hand at making out by that point. 16 or 17 years old when I shoot it. But what was interesting, what was nice was that that um, Paul Mazursky or or the I forget who it was who did this, but it must have been Mazursky's idea was that they called me up a couple of weeks before the, the shoot and said, listen, we want you to take Lisa Lucas, the, the girl who's playing my girlfriend, we want you to take her out on a date. We want you guys to go to dinner and a movie, hang out for a while and get to know each other. Um, and, you know, here's a hundred bucks or whatever it was. You know, they gave us the money to go out. Mm -hmm. a big night on the town but to go out to, you know for me to take her out to a decent right night. they didn't like get you a hotel room or something they just <laughs> okay <laughs> we got you a weekend at the palazzo in vegas um no um so that we could we could meet each other and and get to know each other and be more comfortable on the day because we were only going to have one day shooting yeah not even a full day um and uh and, and and but then of course on the day when we're shooting the scene, there are teamsters all over the place giving me a really hard time. Mm. Which yeah. yeah, which is part of their job, I guess. They feel they yeah. have to yeah. Yeah. Why were they giving you a hard time on the makeout scene? Why were there teamsters watching that? I'm confused. Because because people tease me. You know, were, were you making out in a parking lot? Where, what, why were there teamsters we're there? Bed, we're in a small bedroom, but not, not to, grips, grips, you know. Oh, whatever. grips. Okay. Gaffers, you know, those guys. Um, yeah, that's different guys. I mean, the yeah, teamsters yeah, are generally the guys that drive yeah. the trucks and grips, the cars grips, and, and the machinery. I, I was sorry. I got confused. No, it was grips. My and bad. 
giving me a hard time on my technique. But people give me a hard time. You, I mean, you know my... I, I, remind me to tell you what, what Chris Noth did to me on, on Law & Order one time, the, the hard time he gave me. People tease me. There's something about me people tease. Um, well, uh, you're still getting residual checks, though, from uh, Unmarried Woman? Unmarried Woman? Um, yeah, I think I am occasionally. I would bet, yeah. Seven, seven, eight cents a year, right? And it's it's it. big in uh, it's big in uh, Greenland. That film, they watch it all the time. Yeah, all the time. Um, I shouldn't say that. I, I I haven't. I don't know if I've actually ever seen it. So I. I... Uh, it's a very uh, of it is very much of its time, and it's very Mazursky ish. Hmm. Okay, now let's let's get into what you mean. We mean by that. Um, uh, I would call Mazursky, um, maybe Cassavetti's ultra light. <laughs> That's really good. Like if you've got like a really good IPA, really uh, high alcohol, hoppy IPA, mm -hmm. and then. Bud Light. Gotcha. Bud Light IPA style. Okay. I, I think that's really actually a pretty pretty good uh, assessment. Like, I'm, I'm going to be like Cassavetes, but I don't want to be a complete crazy person. Yeah, I don't want to be a complete crazy person, and I don't want to fight with the studios, so whatever they... Uh, I don't want to fight with them. Right. I want to make another movie. So if they want to have another shot of the dog... We could have another shot of the dog. Shots of the dog. I didn't even put that in my notes because I just, I, you know what I said? Oi. I think I said oi every time there was a shot of the dog. I mean, it's a cute dog, but they relied on it as a crutch over and over again to a point where, in a couple of part, points, that it shouldn't have been, I, I felt. No, no, no. There was a sexual encounter at one point between two characters that was remarkable. I have to say, no, okay, totally PG rated. It's not well, like R rated. I didn't notice that it was a sexual encounter. That was uh, it, I couldn't tell if it was a sexual encounter or people eating a candy bar, <laughs> a Clark bar. That's <clears throat> not as sexy as eating a Clark bar. Um, I didn't say it was sexy. I, I, that's a different. I said it was an encounter, okay. um, as in close encounters. Um, oh, oh, okay. Well, now we're going to so, get references in this movie. <laughs> had you seen it before? No, I'm proud to say. I'd never seen it either. And uh, it was the kind of movie I avoided in the 80s. You know, I didn't go to this kind of thing in the 80s for whatever reason, you know. Although that's not entirely true, to be honest, because stuff was on on cable and I did see whatever stakeout and other Dreyfus comedies, I guess. Um I probably saw a couple of Bette Midler comedies that way, but I missed this one. Um, I just, I don't know. I, you know, when they call a movie a crazy comedy. Yeah. That's, that's to me, this is the prime example of a crazy comedy, a crazy comedy. That's actually not crazy though. It's not, but I mean, they make it create Like, I think that's the Mazursky vibe that for me, the way I feel like it, I mean, Cassavetti's light is perfect. But there's also a quality of Mazursky that he always seems to have to inject more chaos 
into things than ever normally would be there and even more than probably is 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 needed or funny yeah like it just there's a hysteria that's just kind of constant that doesn't really have a good build to it it just is kind of constantly on a neurotic hysterical level that it's just a little much yeah but some of it is purposeful in a genius way because richard dreyfus running and screaming call 911 for i think 17 minutes by my watch yeah it was epic did you know that they credit that with raising awareness about 911 that it actually was an effective tool in raising awareness effective tool so you got to you know you got to hand wow. it to Mizerski for having a social conscience there and hey. trying to I, save I mean, lives with comedy that's pretty cool so this and the thin blue line have something in common they saved life that's amazing um yeah i i you know it was weird because i i i really thought that i was gonna have a rough time altogether i really didn't think i was gonna have a good time at all here and i had a half a good time you know i i the things I liked about it, I liked a lot more than I ever thought I was going to like it. And the things that I didn't like about it were just shockingly not good. But I kind of expected there to be some shockingly shameless, ridiculously not good moments. But I wasn't expecting, you know, I wasn't expecting that scene on the pier between him and Dreyfus, between Nolte exactly. and Dreyfus. Exactly. Wasn't expecting. When he quotes Shakespeare, he's actually pretty good. Yeah. And 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 Nolte, you know, like notoriously, famously spent weeks as a apparently living like a homeless person, which I think he does in his own house anyway. So I don't really know that his behavior was much different in the street. <laughs> but the thing is, if you're going to spend three, five, whatever weeks researching a homeless person, do it for a real movie about homeless people. Uh, okay. Or actually, don't even do it then. Are you going to tell Nick that? Are you going to tell Nick, Mr. You're going to tell Mr. Nolte, like, Nick, you don't need to do that as an act. Stop it. Stop preparing for your role. And I think I'm going to, yes, I am going to say, don't prepare for your role when it's it's not actually really it, it would have been like dad learning how to be a real bombardier for catch 22 catch 22 wasn't about bombardiers you know this movie isn't a real examination of homelessness uh yeah all right i i'll 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 here here's the only thing i i'll say no, it's not the I, I would I would totally understand your point of view if we had just had to sit and listen to Nick Nolte complain about having to do this for five weeks to get into character. Yeah, but he, he didn't. He didn't. He, he quietly it. just went about his business. And my attitude is, if that's what an actor needs to do to get on screen, then let him do it. Whatever. But here's, here's my thing, right? Like, okay, he actually ate dog food in the movie, right? Did he? I, I, I didn't. Re I don't know. 
He did. He actually ate dog food twice. But here's, here's what I would say, for instance, to my students. If you were playing a regular person, like you or me, who suddenly had to eat dog food, and I, I, would, I would not scoff at you if you actually ate some dog food just to like sort of parse what that experience was like for you having to eat dog, having to lower yourself to eating dog food and what your reaction was and what it tasted like. Right. But this character to him, he's been doing it so long. It doesn't, it's not horrible. and doesn't taste disgusting. It's just food to him. Mm-hmm. So he wouldn't he wouldn't have to eat real dog food to get this to to portray somebody eating something. It's like I was doing a play once. Yeah. Where I played a character, and my character smoked grass in the play. And you, you you may not know this about me. I don't smoke a lot of grass. Yeah, I couldn't tell. Yeah, very rarely do I smoke the Mary Jane or have anything to do with. It. Yes. So I, I said to the director and some of the other people working on the play, I said, I guess I better smoke some pot a few times to like sort of get the idea of what's going on for him. And they said, no, don't do that. And I, and I said, why? And they said, because he smokes pot all the time. It's just, it, it's just maintenance. It's just a, a regular day for him. You're never going to get to that point. So you're never going to experience what it's like for him to smoke pot because for him, it's just getting, it's been 30 years of getting through the day like this. Yeah. And and that's how I felt about him. Like, why are you, you're going and doing something that you've never done before. That's obviously going to be disgusting to you. And you're going through that. It's not disgusting for this homeless guy who's been doing it for however many years unless unless here's a caveat nolte did it out of respect for people who have had to do that or needed to do that and it was more out of respect to that than not because he is not homeless and he he's not suffered the way that you know people in this character's position have suffered and maybe he was being kind of like uh you know like uh living philosophy being like no i'm gonna i'm gonna I owe it to the to to my character's story to experience these things again without complaining about it. Uh, I, I think that uh, I think that um, I are agree you, with you about are you huh? Nick, like are you a Nick Good pals or something? Because I feel like you're trying to get him to loan you some money right now. Uh, here's what I think. I think that the, I think that method actors, uh, have take a, a good beating. Seth Michael, he's eating dog food because he's been barely, he's eating spiral of it. Yes. Yes. He needed to know what, what something else tasted like. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Seth. Um, I, I, I you know, methody stuff gets a bad rap. People make a lot of fun of it. Method actors get, get dumped on a lot. I've made some fun of it too. But I do have, I do feel what I said is true. Like I, 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 actors particularly like, you know, like Nolte doesn't brag about this. I think word maybe gets out 
and the publicity department likes to have stories like this. You know, like he ate dog food. Uh, you know, Nicholas Cage ate a bug. Somebody else ate a raw elk liver. Like, there's a lot of weird eating, a lot of weird stunts. Actors trying to out, you know, flash each other. I get that, but <laughs> I never flashed another actor. But I, I always feel like you know. And I, I, I think Nick Nolte has been a great actor at times. Like, I think he's given some some phenomenal performances on camera. And I, I, I've been a fan of his work for, you know, off and on, not everything. But in his, in his day, he was, I think he was great. So if, if that's what it takes, sometimes I look at it as like maybe, maybe they can't, maybe they're having trouble accessing the character. Maybe they're like... Maybe they're neurotic. Maybe they're like, I, I, I can't do this without doing something extreme. And and um, and they may be people unlike you and I who feel that acting is uh, other, something other than just a frivolous joke. That you go in and make some funny faces. You know, I've I've relied on this attitude my whole life. It's time for me to step up and eat some dog food. And I think it would be good for both of us, is all I'm saying. I take it very seriously sometimes. I'm kidding. Every seven or eight years, I get a job that I feel like I should take it seriously. I think if you imagine that he didn't eat dog food to annoy Richard Dreyfus, you're living in a dream world. And I want you to think about why you think he's doing it. <laughs> I would eat. I would eat dog food to annoy Richard. Dreyfus. Exactly. So I believe that this was probably a very. Uh, how should we call it a kinetic relationship on set? Like uh, a lot of stuff going on, probably maybe some ego clashing. I don't know. I, I would actually, I, I would, I wish I could talk to Richard Dreyfus right now about this movie. Cause that would be, that would be fun to find out how they get along. Well, I have them on the line. So. Richard, what's up, man? How you doing, Anthony? We both have Richard Dreyfus stories. We do have Richard Dreyfus stories. It's kind of uh, terrifying. He's he's been in our lives a lot, in yeah, one way or another. In an odd way. Um, well, yeah, uh, and and uh, has always been incredibly sweet to me. Yeah, very lovely. Very nice band to work with, um, in my experience. And uh, I would imagine Nolte, who is probably. Had some prickly times with other people on the set. Likes to probably get under people's skin, I would imagine. Maybe uh, there was some friction. And I, I could just see some fun stuff happening in that. Maybe he didn't bathe for five weeks just so he could stink up the dressing room for, for Richard. Oh, wow. Think about it. Oh, that's so much fun. Think about if you're Nolte, how much fun it would be if you're basically just a large golden retriever of a human being. You know, like to just be that a hundred percent and eat dog food. Like, I don't care. I'm going to do this. It's going to freak him out. Watch this. <laughs> I'd love it. I don't have that courage. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll buy that here. Here's a, little, a fun little photograph from our past. You were there this day. I was there. I may have taken that picture. I had hair back then. You did. I think you did take that picture. Richard looks the same. Yes, he does. Uh, that was a, where was that was at a reading of a play. That was at Temple Israel in New Rochelle when uh -huh. Richard came and did a reading of the Substance of Fire with us. That was very nice of him. 
Yeah. That was a picture for you listening on the podcast of Matthew with his arm around Richard Dreyfus. And Richard Dreyfus looking chagrined. How did you know him to call him? I knew him because I worked on a I worked on two television series with him. I worked on um, The Education of Max Bickford, and I worked on a pilot for PBS called Cop Shop. Okay. Um, And and he was in both of those. He was very good friends with a friend of mine, Joe Kakachi, who I think you know. I met Joe, yeah. Writer, director. Sure. Uh, Yeah. uh, So he he very kindly came up and did a fundraiser. For us. Very nice. And you rode in the limousine with him. I did. I rode uh, up there with him, and we spent some time there together. And he and was very great. Story about that. Of, well, I I just I have a fun story about just him telling me about Jaws and right. Close Encounters. Yeah, yeah. And you getting you getting to actually talk to him. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Jaws, as you know, is one of my favorite movies. It, it may be my favorite movie. I mean, I adore it. I just love it to pieces and uh and uh to get a chance to talk to him about it and have him want to tell stories like that's the thing sometimes you'll meet someone and you're in awe of them a little bit and they can tell you're in awe of them but they have a weird thing about it or they don't want to really get into something he just wanted he was like delighted to tell to ask to answer questions and to talk and he had a lot of sympathy for my you know for the fact that i was such a an avid fan and he was uh he was really nice to me we also did that a show called uh madoff we worked for a day on this show called madoff and he uh was very um a good scene partner he, okay. he was did he remember yeah. your previous interactions and all yeah he he remember yeah he he remembered me and it was uh it was nice he was really nice to me um and you know it's funny it's like he's had such a weird and varied career uh, I'd totally kind of forgotten about this this middle period of like these crazy big Hollywood movies, these comedies that he did. He did a lot of those. Yeah. And they were some of like his most successful movies. He was he was a star for so long mm-hmm. in so many different capacities, you know. A, a fun story about him, uh, you know, the the the, the correlative to the the idea of um Nick Nolte eating the dog food and that kind of commitment. When we were working on uh, the education of Max Bickford, which was, he was the star of the show and he had, you know, when it's a, a show where you're the main, main character, they are long days for those people. Uh, there weren't other storylines that they were departing to. Um, and so we were shooting this scene and it was late in the day where he has to make a very long speech on a, a town board meeting and my character's in the audience and I get the news about how he's going to vote on this development that I'm the developer for. And um, uh, they shot his coverage first where he has this long monologue so that he could leave and go home before they turned around to do the shots of the, the, uh, all the extras in the audience or or the background players in the audience and me responding to his speech. Um, So they shot him out so that he could leave and he did not leave. He stayed while they relit and then turned around and shot the reaction shots from the audience, the background players and from me 
This is another about another hour and a half or two hours. He stuck around while they relit, had to turn this entire room around. And then he, for every take, did the the monologue. And and not not reading it, but performing it so that, that we had that to work with for absolutely no reason. He, he could have gone home. Nobody would have thought less of him. It's not like it would be walking out on your steam partner during some emotional dialogue, scene, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, I have always remembered that and, and been incredibly impressed by that. That's really an, that's an unusual quality, you know. I mean, maybe if you've made Jaws, then any other shoot is easy, and you're like, I don't care. Another <laughs> hour here doesn't matter, you know. Right. Or maybe you're in a bad <clears throat> Like, Jesus Christ, I don't want to go home. Maybe so. <laughs> um, uh, what's your – okay, getting back to the movie in general, because oh, we've movie. sidestepped a lot of this stuff. Was there – did you have a favorite uh, – a favorite – actor in it a favorite uh line i i mean like of the minor characters or anything i have one person i'd like to mention and bring up i do have a favorite actor in this movie but you wouldn't know it from this movie i'm not even entirely sure who he played in this movie but my friend nick ullett is in this movie somewhere okay he's, he's one of my favorite actors oh so he was good in this probably i think he is the guy who shows up after the drowning, there's another character who sort of kind of comes running up and is there while, while the recovery is happening. Well, I don't, somebody did run up really effectively. I was like, wow, they are running so realistically. He's a terrific actor and deserves a shout out whether or not, but um, uh, I think some of my favorite performances in this movie um, little Richard. Little Richard is great. <laughs> yes, I mean, he's great. Beyond. Uh, when is he not great? But come on, yeah. he's just so great. He doesn't, and he looks like he doesn't care. They're like, they. I'm sure they were thought, oh, little Richard will be excited to be in a movie, and he shows up. He's like, I invented rock and roll. This doesn't excite me. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and forgive me, I don't know the name of the actor or even the character, but the Native American guy who ex explains shit to. Oh yeah, um, I think his name in the movie is—I don't know. There was some name. I think you call him Tom Tom or something like that. Yeah, it was some joke like that, and yeah. he was great. That actor was terrific. But he hits it out of the park. You know who I loved? Felton Perry, man. Felton Perry was. Felton Perry was the uh, uh, Nick Nolte's friend. There's another homeless man that they meet when he when they're eating at the restaurant and they and they ask him to join them at the table. Right. They, they ask it, food, but he steals everything. He bread. just steals rolls and stuff while he's talking, and he does not even really paying attention to it. It's great. Yeah, Felton he, Perry from from RoboCop. Felton Perry, wonderful, uh, wonderful actor. Okay, um, yeah, and also I gotta say that. Uh, Bette Midler, who 98% of the time is doing too much in a caricature, had one moment in this movie where she broke my heart. The song? Before the song. There's a few seconds um, 
in the love scene, like right after they yeah. make love, but and before the song where her where she drops back and her work just really lands. And if I was a director and working with her, I'd say, that's all you ever have to do. Uh, her fans expect a little bit more, Matthew. That's, yeah, okay, yeah. Well, and oh, and, and I'm going to say something. It may end the show. It may okay. end the show, and you may never speak to me again. Uh-oh. But Bathhouse Betty is an epic album. You, I, you, I don't know what you just said. It's a great, great album. Is it? A, is it a Bette Midler record? I, I'm not a. It's a Bette Midler. I'm at a disadvantage here. It's a. <laughs> I'm sorry. I am. I know. I. Yeah. Bathhouse Betty is an incredibly wonderful. Well, I mean, she is a powerhouse performer. I, I'm yeah. sure it's an amazing record because she's. You know, I mean, I'm not. It's a. I don't even know if it's my kind of thing or not, because I've never seen her in concert. I hear like back in the day, seeing her doing a live show was like phenomenal, yeah. right? She and had a huge reputation. Her, Still uh, her recordings of uh, the Rosemary Clooney songbook are spectacular. Well, I, she's got the chops, man. She's a real, she's the real deal. Um, and as big as she gets, she's also, you know, I mean, she is a persona actor as much as anything else. Bette Midler is like, she's a force of nature and she's a persona. Um, and that persona involves like a little bit too much all the time. And and I, I guess, uh, I guess it's just kind of a thing. It's like, it's very, it's a very older Hollywood way of working. And she wasn't necessarily old Hollywood, but she's, you know, like, it reminds me of like, not that she's like Diller, but Phyllis Diller, who had like a thing that she was like, nope, this is my brand and I'm going to be big in this way for the rest of my life. And lo and behold, you know, until she was like in her 80s, Phyllis Diller was that lady. Was there was there anything about this movie that was difficult or triggering for you? Difficult or triggering? Yeah. Because the, the Thanksgiving scene with the yogi leading the meditation at the, <laughs> in, the, uh, in the 80s, I started having flashbacks. It's too close to home to some of the stuff that we saw in the 80s. Yeah. I, I, I That was a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, luckily, they, they didn't get any of the details right. Um, <laughs> there were some funny things. I mean, in that scene, Sydney, I mean, just the throwaway line, Sydney, I'd like to learn how to walk on hot coals was made me laugh. I just, you know, um, there is a couple of like, there's a scene where the scene where um, uh, Dreyfus, who's having an affair with their live in maid. And it's uh, it's it's not a proof. It's not they're not looking for approval on this in the movie. It's something the character's doing that he, he we're not supposed to be proud of. No. Um, and he's having this affair with uh, it's Elizabeth Pena, who's great in the movie. She's, she's really great. Uh, in in the middle of their 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 tryst, uh, the dog hits the 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 alarm in the house, and all because the, the dog cops approve of the tryst. Right. And so he triggers the alarm and, and all the cops in the world show up. I mean, it's great, but there's literally just a shot. When the helicopter showed up, yeah. I literally laughed out loud. I was like, that's the timing of that was fantastic. Um, and then um, there's like little weird things that I thought the movie had some charming things about it. Like 
the Iranian uh, family or the Iranian prince who lives next in the mansion next door. That that storyline. There's this weird little scene where the 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 little boy, like the 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 son of the prince, like is on the other side of the fence, and he has this little scene with Nick Nolte, and you don't know who the kid is at first. Like at first, yeah. I'm like, is he a homeless kid? Like what's happening? And then you find out later. I I thought that was great, and that was really charming. And that's, you know, to me, that's very, that's the good, that's Mazursky-esque too. That's like the good, you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of like the good thing that he kind of maybe brought to this. Not that he wrote it or did it, but just the sensibility behind it and the way it was yeah. done. Um, You need to talk, I, I think, I'm assuming you need to talk a little bit about the cinematography. Because the cinematographer in this movie, Donald McAlpin. Yeah, it's it's pretty gorgeous, right? Well, did you like? I think he's a genius, and and, and the way the movie was shot made me crazy. Really? Why? I wanted that camera to stop moving all the time. Oh, I didn't. I liked I liked that. Yeah. I just didn't feel like this was the movie for it. In, in, in getting back to like the sort of Cassavetti's attitude of it, you know, I felt like this movie was was show what needed more of a documentary thing to it. Um. But yeah. Who am I? Well, no, I mean, I hear you. I think, um, you know, uh, he, this is not like a lot of stuff that he did. Like, uh, McAlpine's known for, like, Predator and then Romeo yeah, and Juliet and then Moulin Rouge and things Moulin like that. Rouge. The moving camera in Moulin Rouge, you know, I adore that stuff. And I just I just didn't think this was the movie for it. Um, okay, well, I... I, uh, I, I what I think is that for, for I, you know, I can see that. I think that I, I maybe more modulation on it. Like, I feel like it kind of starts crazy from jump. It could have had a slower burn this film. I really think that that would have been great. And I think both of us would have, would have appreciated a, like a quieter beginning, like a more, more structured film to, to, to feel like the structure of Dreyfus's life that then gets upended and maybe turns more chaotic as, as it goes on. Right. I could, I could see that. And then, um, you, you know, I don't want to blame that on, on McAlpine. That, that, that could have been Mazursky. Wanting all of that. You know, you know, it may have been, it, it may have been because McAlpine, like they worked together before too. Like he did Moscow on, on the Hudson and um, probably a couple of other things of his, but um but there were some really extraordinary things in it too from i mean like the the like the use of the mirrors in it you know there were a couple yeah. of shots using the sets and the mirrors in those sets that were just amazing i have that note the sh the shot of nolte split in half by the mirror yeah but also that shot of dreyfus and bet midler entering their bedroom from the bathroom yeah. and the way that the camera is moving and because it's moving in that shot they actually come past a row of mirrors that then reflects them like 
dozens of times in really weird ways as they're walking into the room together. And um, I, also I don't know. After the after they make love, um, the shot of no the shot of them on the bed and the slat the light coming through the slatted windows has them in prison strip basically behind mm. that's interesting yeah it was very interesting it's beautiful like they're in a cage beautiful lighting in the film i mean it's very hollywood very bright but it's also it's it's not too glossy it's got some grit to it um what else did we like Love that scene on the pier, like I said. The scene on the pier, and the scene before that, when he's getting drunk with with the Native American actor, and that that the line that made me laugh the hardest was when the Native American actor says, "Do you want to drink, white man?" And 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 Dreyfus turns to to Nick Nolte and says, "How did he know my name?" <laughs> Did you pass <laughs> I didn't, but that's really funny. His name is Whiteman. <laughs> says, Do you want to drink white man? And he says, how do you know my name? <laughs> um, there were a lot of interesting, you know, um, it was interesting seeing them tackle a lot of issues and themes. Hey, I got some cats having a little argument over here. Hey, we're how working here. I have to stop this for one second. Excuse me. Oh, He's leaving me alone, so um, maybe I'll sing uh, "Talking Head" song. Oh no, he's back! Thank God, he's back. I was about to start singing "Letting the Days Go By." You know, I didn't know what to do. I was saying that there was, you know, it was interesting watching them tackling a lot of themes that are very current today: sexual identity issues. I mean, homelessness. You know. uh, gender roles, uh, m- you know, equality, um, l- lots of racial things are in this movie. Yeah. And it's really scattershot, uh, but it's, you know, and I don't know that they really handled all of these things uh, well, or and certainly not all of it kind of looks great through today's lens for some people, probably, particularly one of the conclusions of it having to do with Nolte and their daughter, which is kind of like, no, like that's not, <laughs> that doesn't feel Did okay. You feel like that was okay. I didn't really think that played for today's for, for my audience and me in my head today. I didn't know yeah. if I like that. Yeah. But, um, I can see that, but I thought it was interesting to the d- d- degree that it was a lens into, you know, how people were trying to talk about these things, you know, in the eighties and people who were, trying to be uh sensitive to these things and how they were trying to be it's just it's an interesting look into that right. um some of it works some of it doesn't i mean i love the fact for instance that he's got i've noticed in my time of homelessness women not throwing themselves at me the way they did it technology I've so are, well now you know the, the, okay you have an authority here you know this film is lying to you yeah to me but yeah. also i don't look like nick Nolte, so no no um i love that the i love the gardener who's concerned with dreyfus dreyfus has a dreyfus richard dreyfus has a gardener who's trying to help him and is concerned about him and offers him you know he's like i can have if you need a place to go you can use it stay at my condo in maui if you want he's like, <laughs> that was great there were some funny moments like that um uh and you know, the uh, costume fellow in this uh, movie? who did the costumes 
Albert Walski. Oh, really? I know Walski. Yeah, Walski, uh, who has worked with Dad on Heart is the Lonely Hunter, Poppy, Last of the Rabbit Lovers, and Little Murders. Wow. And I didn't know it was... And, and did an unmarried woman. I didn't know it was that many. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, well, the costuming was excellent. Worked with Pops four times. It, the costumes were excellent. Nolte looked filthy. They looked legitimately dirty, those clothes. Yes. But those were... They rented those from him, I think. He's, he rented those clothes to the studio. No, what, what you don't realize, that that was the same wardrobe that Joel McRae was wearing in... in uh, <laughs> Sullivan's Travels? They, they actually <laughs> had the same costume. I love a little moment in this movie. It's right after the moment with the Iranian prince who meets Nick Nolte and thanks him for uh, treating his son so nicely after oh. that nice scene with him and the little boy. talk about... The, about Dreyfus's reaction shot to him giving the money. There's two shots. Yes, he, the guy the guy hands him five hundred dollars. He's yeah. in a limousine and he just hands him five hundred dollars and thanks him for the what he did to his boy. And he drives off, yeah. and Nolte takes the money. And there's just like three shots of Nolte taking the money. He looks at Dreyfus. There's Dreyfus's reaction shot, and then they cut to this wide two shot of this them on either side of the screen, and that limo pulls off, and he's just holding the money, and they just hold on it for a second. In this awkward moment of, it's very uncomfortable, and then they move on. It was really good. So it's this weird combo of like some actually subtle, funny, subtly funny things, and some some intelligent human things that were like recognizable and funny, and then and then too much chocolate sundae sauce like everywhere, just like this weird combo. Yeah, but I mean. I adored, and I didn't expect to, the very end. I did too. You know? That, I did too. And and you know what it reminded me of in a weird way is you, it, 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 it's completely different in terms of story, obviously, but the feeling, the very end of Joe versus the volcano, when she <laughs> says to him, it's always going to be something with you. <laughs> I could see that. Yeah. I think what's great about it is that it's, it, they had the courage to give us the ending that we, that we secretly really wanted, but never thought could happen. It, it's a fantasy ending, but yeah. it deserved, it, it earned it. And, and at that point, if you've gone along so far enough to at least not hit, you know, be with them enough to be like, well, what happens? And I care about them. It's kind of the ending that you want. Cause they become this family somehow that it's like, and I got to give Dreyfus credit here too, because I think he really does, you know, he's a little manic and he has a lot of, it's a very, you know, broad, everything's really broad and there's a lot of physical comedy in it. Um, Maybe he, I don't know if he was a pushed a little more than he wanted to, but there was, there was a real character in him, a, a real, I really believed without the script supporting it so much in him having this moral awakening, you know, yeah. and him having some kind of like midlife crisis that, that was about more of like a, a more feeling of moral, you know, uh, ambiguity and what he had to do with his life. And he really sold that. 
So I didn't, I never didn't buy that he went, that he went off with Nolte to go and hang out with his friends. A lot of other actors, I don't think you, I think you would have just felt like, oh, that's, that's the crazy comedy part. But he, he, I don't know. I appreciated that, that he, that he made that uh, for me, he made the character um, kind of believable. Yeah. And a really crazy, you know, and a really, really wacky, that's the term wacky comedy. It's a wacky comedy and it ends with people. It ends like, of course, like all these movies in the eighties, like of just people running through the house, screaming, like chasing for whatever they're chasing the dog. And then there's someone's fighting and then everybody jumps in the pool. I mean, it's like one of those, like literally like everybody falls in the swimming pool at the end. I just wanted one shot of Estelle Parsons during the, during the shootout in Bonnie and Clyde. Running through that. <laughs> Remember her? Remember her just screaming and running? <laughs> that is a really great and strange thing to be in this conversation, but I love that. <laughs> I love that. Um, oh, shout out to Blaupunkt. Oh, yes. Yeah. That brought me back more than anything. I was like, ah, I guess I am from the 80s after yeah. all. And go see Cal. Go, go see Cal. Go see Cal, go see Cal, go see Cal. I remember yeah. the commercials. Used car, the first used car guy that I was aware of who had Cal those crazy commercials. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, just crazy. Oh, my gosh. Um, so with some, this is a movie we saw. We saw it. We did. We saw it. We talked about it. We yeah, talked about it, yeah. Since I'm going to be homeless for another couple of weeks, should we do down in a, uh, uh, trading places? Are there other homeless movies or should we are there other homeless movies? This other, is well, or should we make it up to bet bowls and do to catch a thief? I'm going to throw it out. Bet if you're still listening, if, if you, if it's, it's kind of up to you, if you're still listening, you could say, yeah. if you're still, we're going to do, we're going to do catch a thief this next or the one after, but you tell us if you want us to do another, a part, uh, like, Something about living conditions. So what about the apartment? Okay. I've never seen it. You've never seen it. Wow. Wow. I've never seen the apartment. Jack Lemon. No, you didn't see it. Yeah. Jack Lemon. You admitted this on a, on YouTube. I did. Oh, you know, there's so many things I haven't seen. Well, um, but, you know, in my defense, uh, um, <coughs> it came out in, um, in 1960. I uh, was had just been born, so what you know. That makes zero sense. I was too young to see it. It's true. How do you account for my having seen it? Is it that time slippage that we talked about earlier? Oh, it oh happened again. Jack Crucian is in it. Is in the apartment. Yeah. <clears throat> I didn't remember that. Yeah. So anyway, Bet, I don't know if you're listening. You know who else is in it? Who? Joan Shawley. I didn't know that either. You remember Joan Shawley? Should I? You should remember Joan Shawley. Because does she remember me? She doesn't remember you, but Joan Shawley was in um, uh, Woman on the Run. Was she at the bar? She's the drunk woman at the bar. Oh my god! Wow. 
she is great um well i'm on the fence i don't know maybe we'll just do, do you want to just we'll discuss wanna, it after the show and people will just we gotta post it though because you know bet last time bet saw a movie that we didn't cover let's do the apartment okay we're gonna do the apartment in honor of matthew's living conditions right now yes we're gonna do the movie the apartment with uh jack lemon and shirley mclean and joan shawley exact exactly um so thank you so much for joining us this evening we hope you had as much fun actually i don't hope you had as much fun as we did i hope you have more fun than we did why because this is so much damn work that we're we're schwitzing struggling we're exhausted <clears throat> yeah um and we'll see you all next week indeed we're back on track I'm so All glad right. to be back with you, man. This is great. It is. Good night, everybody. Good night. You've been listening to the Arkin Brothers talk about movies. That's my brother, Matthew Arkin. And that's my brother, Anthony Arkin. And we are interesting, irreverent, and irrelevant. But you can follow us on Instagram anyway. You can also subscribe to our newsletter and check out our merch. And you can do it all on our website. Just follow the link on your podcast app. Or if you really want to stalk us, head over to ArkinBros.com. You'll learn more about us than anyone would ever want to know.